father who's a total failure. Uh, I've been one a father with his daughters. I think I've been a, a cancer fighting poet. Uh, but I want to read to you this morning, and then uh, I just want to kind of take my time and work through this the next few weeks and uh, try to grasp living, breathing, antique. Uh, that means I have reference points uh, uh, that uh, many people have no clue about. I can remember my grandfather, who had a construction company, he built highways in southern Illinois. And I'm just a small boy. I worked for him. And I remember him doing a huge project on a handshake. Shake the hand. People in church want to do that. <laughs> and I don't blame them. No. Uh, but think it, on a handshake, I an old picture. He had these old model twos, and he had mules and scrapers, and they did highway work. Uh, but that's, uh, that's long gone. And so, in the, in the, how many believe the Bible? Because that's, that has to be a part of your Christian character and your Christian belief. And you have to believe the Bible even if you're not living it, or even if it's contrary to your desire of what you want to do with it. You have, I don't care what you may sell at home. The problem today is uh, if you were raised in chaos, you were raised in a home that was insane, it was ballistic, it was uh, uh, crazy. To you, that's normal. And not only normal, it's acceptable. And not only normal, it can be comfortable. That's home. And so you get married. And uh, it's crazy. It's insane. It's Jerry Springer. It's your house. Uh, and, uh, but that's normal. <laughs> so why should I change? But it's not normal biblically. And so I want to, uh, I want to challenge you uh, because uh, uh, listen to what he said here again. This man is Christian that I'm aware of, but, but he said, without commitment and responsibility, after he made these statements about the family, without sex, without commitment and responsibility will eventually degenerate any society. The greatest thing against America is the home. And so in, in, uh, in Ephesians, the chapter 5, very familiar, God in His wisdom, here as well as other places, lays out the role and gives great insight to what a man ought to be as a husband and a father, and a wife ought to be, and a mother. And uh, 
doesn't matter how you were raised, I was raised, doesn't matter what Hollywood says, doesn't matter uh, what kind of stupidity they may be teaching you in school concerning the whole, uh, uh, you know, trisexual, transsexual, whatever is next down the road. Uh, uh, but this is what the Bible says. Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. The husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she would be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, and will never hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. We are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this reason, man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery that I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, that the wife see that she respects her husband. So, so here is the revelation of the human heart as far as male and female. That's what you have to understand uh, is uh, the Apostle Paul in this text, he is giving us uh, a revelation of God's design in male and female. He reveals the, the need the heart. Adam, he said, it's not good that man should be alone. And he took Eve out of Adam's side and he brought this woman to him. And God designed male and female to be joined in marriage. Not just physically, not just relationally, but emotionally, mentally, just this incredible bonding that, that is designed in marriage. If you don't understand this, you're going to have problems. This is just why just, just live-in, all the terminology for live-in today is stupid. And it's demonic, and it's creating a filling prison, and insane asylum, and hospitals. Because they're violating God's design of the human heart in a male and a female. He's designed them to be joined together. Jesus supports this. Matthew 19, verse 66. The Pharisees came to him, testing him, saying, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? He answered and said to them, Have you not read 
that you made them at the beginning, made them, God made them, God designed, created them, male and female. He said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So let me ask you, would any sane person rip the arm off of one body? Would any sane person pull their eyeball out of their skull? Of course not. And so he's saying here that in marriage, there's this, this joining by God. And the two shall become one. And Paul, Paul puts this up. And, and, uh, and somewhere, you have to understand about marriage, there'll be differences. There'll be conflicts. There'll be disagreements. But I stand as your pastor and I declare to you, there is no reason that two people claiming to know Jesus Christ should ever get together. Not if you say you know him and he has the power to change you, forgive you, deal with you, set you. I mean, what you're doing is you're if you say I'm a Christian and your spouse is a Christian, and we're going to get there's something bad wrong with your theology and your thinking and your understanding of God, because God said I've joined it together and I don't want you separated. And there is there will be conflict in there. There will be difficulty. There are two human beings trying to live together in the same house. Adam, he said, she is now bone of my bone. She is flesh of my flesh. So I ask you again, would you carve, take, go home, take a knife and some scissors and carve the bone out of your own body? That's how, how potent and how strong uh, this statement is. And so uh, Paul's saying then, the, one of the things uh, about marriage, uh, in, and we're going to move on through in the roles and etc., but he says one of the powerful dynamics of marriage uh, is you have to understand there's this joining together. God says, I've done that. That's what I'm doing. And that doesn't just happen at the marriage ceremony. But as two Christians, as you live together, people, as Connie and I have been married longer, 50 plus years, they'll come up and from time to time and they'll ask me, especially around when I are 50, how have you done this? Well, we've made adjustments, compromises. We, we, that's how you join together. We, we, we've shifted and we've melted together. Sometimes it's hilarious. I'll say something or she'll start to say something and we're both saying the same thing at the same time. Um, you know, I mean, you, it's just like it's in our head together. And we start to say, I was just going to say that. Well, I said it, you know, and so anyway. Uh, but... Uh, this, 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 is, this is a powerful dynamic, uh, 
And, and so how do you bond together? That's the question. How do we become more and more precious God? How do we create this, this harmony and this unity? Well, he begins with the husband here. I want to begin with the husband because I feel that's critical. And he makes this statement. Husbands, love your own wives like Christ loved the church. Now, the moment I use that word, you have to define love. Love is not lust. Love versus lust. They're not the same. I'll tell you this. Love nurtures. What love does, like Christ loved the church, and there's a lot here, but love makes a deposit into the wife. If you're said to be a husband, you are a husband. This is what God says I want you to bring to the table of marriage. This is what this how I want you to relate to your wife. This is what I'm expecting out of you to give to her. Love gives. Love deposits into the female, and as that love is deposited, she gains dignity. She has security. She has confidence. I am valued. Love says, I am responsible to you and for you. As the husband, my love covers you. I may do a whole session on covering. That means my love protects you. My love shields you. The Bible says the woman is the weaker vessel. And what that word weaker means in the Greek, she has means that make her vulnerable. It's probably why the serpent targeted her. It's in her design. In God's creation, God made her this way <clears throat> so they could clean. He made her with a vacuum that the love of her husband fulfilled. He made man also with a vacuum that her respect filled. Husband, three times Paul says, you to love your wife. Love is about others. Love is not about you. God so loved the world He gave. As Christ loved the church and He makes us and gave Himself for it. Love says, I'm going to give myself for you and to you. My love is not about me. It's about you. My love serves like Christ served the church. Love exalts. <clears throat> love edifies. Husband, male, man. God says, when you get married, that's what I want you to bring to the marriage vow 
That's what you're going to have to bring that'll please. If you don't bring that, it's going to be hard to mesh together. Love is not lust. First Corinthians thirteen four through eight. Someone get that down quickly. First Corinthians uh, fourteen or thirteen four through eight. A man, any man here got a Bible? Any married man? John. First uh, Corinthians thirteen four through eight. Paul again breaks down what love is. You read that. Love never fails. And he begins to, love is, is not selfish. Love is not proudful. It goes on and gives this description, love sacrifices. Love does not live for itself, but husband, you live for your wife. Are you bringing that? As, as a Christian man, as a saved man, the love of God in you, your responsibility is to bring that and deposit that. Someone uh, stole that. Again, we're going to look at this. Uh, you know, you can give your wife material things. Well, I'm sure she appreciates it. But that's not what the Bible says. Sometimes a man thinks, well, if I just provide, that's the same as loving. That is not true. Although you need to provide. But in this text, Paul didn't say, a husband, give her a chariot. Or Bertha. New one. Give her a L.A. fitness car or something. Cruise. This will not Deposit into the need that which is absent. She longs to be loved. She has to be over and over reaffirmed that she holds a place in your heart that no other human being holds. Your children do not hold that place, sir. Your mother does not hold that place. Is not your mother. Bible told you to leave your mother. Leave your mother. That's what he said to the man. Why don't you leave mama? Because you're going to get married. No person, no friend, one of the problem with men is they want to hang out with the guys when their wife is dying.
Not your business. Not your career. Not sports. Not your computer. She has this deep need. I said that makes her vulnerable. First Peter three seven. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wives as to the weaker vessel. So uh, I need someone to get for me. First John two sixteen. Russ. First Corinthians ten six. Fred. Galatians five sixteen. Galatians five sixteen. Paul. Second Peter. So what's the difference between love and love? Let me open up for a moment. Uh, what's the difference? Yeah. Okay, lust is a temporary desire where love is more eternal. What you say? Okay, so what's the difference between love and I think for a man, I think it's more of a perverted, a perverted desire to, uh, to, uh, to want somebody physically because you're attracted to the way you look or whatever. I think it's perverted too. Okay. Um, I think lust is selfish. It looks out for self. And then love is just like that. It looks out for other person. Okay. That's very true. Paul. Lust is uh, from the flesh, and love is from the heart. Okay? Okay, let's look at 1 John 2.16. 10, now these things between our examples to the extent that we should not lust after them, things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Okay. What, ha- what happened here He's, he's referring back to uh, when the golden calf and men Jesus. And this is why idolatry is always linked to perversion. They sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, when, and they rose up in a sexual orgy. And so, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's flesh, we know that. Galatians 5.16. First, the scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts. 
Okay, that's good. Okay, uh, lust is, is uh, I believe Billy said, lust is selfish. Uh, lust is all about how I feel and how you make me feel. Three powerful dimensions of lust. One is controlling. Lust is unmanly. Lust manipulates and lust violates. When a man comes at you with lust, uh, he wants to control. Or a woman comes at you with lust. Uh, they want to control, manipulate, uh, and uh, they want to dominate. Lust is destructive. The words of lust, they, they harm, they hurt the actions, they degrade. Lust degrades the other human being. Where love brings dignity, where love exalts, love gives self-worth, lust, and perversion degrade. It brings condemnation. It brings shame. It makes you feel used and worthless and violated. You feel guilty and unclean. Anger is very close to lust. In that anger also wants to control and dominate. Angry men are easily irritated and become abusive and aggressive. Let me make a few statements to you. Rage and violence make a man feel powerful. Lust and perversion, and, and I want to make a couple statements about porno, pornography, helps him forget. Porno is not about satisfaction. It's about stroking dissatisfaction. People who are addicted to porno are never satisfied. They want more and more of something different. This is why a man involved in porno, his wife feels violated and unsafe. He wants more and more of something different and weird. That is not love. Pornography is fantasizing. It's a selfish way of escaping reality. With lust, Men are absent, but they feel alive and present. Men with anger, it makes you present. I'm here, but I'm dangerous. And so, lust, whether it's triggered by perversion, pornography, lust, it's all about self. It's all about pleasing. But the problem, and I say it to every man here who's tempted 
to become like the Son. Drugs, we want a drug to satisfy. And if you get trapped, a lot of guys, well, I'm hooked on heroin. They could be hooked on heroin from young man to the grave. But not with pornography. Pornography is addiction to the dissatisfaction. Don't you understand? It always wants more of something different. And so I, I, I injected this because it's, 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 uh, it's such a crisis. Uh, there was an article in Time magazine, uh, Pornified. Uh, it was written by Pamela Paul, Time magazine, Pornified. Today, the number of people looking at pornography is staggering. Americans rent up to 800 million pornographic videos and DVDs. About one out of five of all rented movies is porn. 11,000 porn films are shot each year. Hollywood produces about 400. $4 billion a year is spent on video pornography in the United States. More than on football, baseball, and basketball. One in four internet users look at pornography websites in any given month. Men look at pornographic online more than they look at any other subject. 60% of 18 to 34-year-old men visit a pornographic site each month. In addition, a 2010 report, the social cost of pornography uh, uh, goes on. Unlike any other time in history, pornography is now available and consumed widely in our society, due in large part to the Internet. No one seems to remain untouched by it. That's staggering. Pornography is not manly. If you want to be a man, love is manly. And they are diabolically opposed. Love and lust are not the same thing. Every young lady here, remember what I'm saying to you. He may lust you, but not love you. So love, uh, she longs to be loved, and, and, and she desperately needs this. And you, as a born-again man of God, have the incredible ability as her husband, like no one else on planet Earth. I did that sermon, a father with his daughters. And, and a father should be the first opposite sex to demonstrate love to his daughter. And what that does is that communicates to them, I'm worthy to be loved. I do not have to perform for love. I don't have to uh, give sex to be loved. I'm loved for who I am. My father loves me. Grandparents, critical with your grandchildren. I just saw on a list, and uh, just just last week I was in the Midwest there, and uh, Joe Ray on a list, and 
comes without the church still moving. And uh, uh, Rose Thompson's back there with Tom and stuff. But, and I, uh, and I, I went to Beverly, and I said, when I get in, have on this and wait for me. She came in, she got in with her. And then uh, I got the old truck back there with no head. Family gave me that old truck. She said, Papa, take me for the ride. But I'm trying to communicate from the opposite sex, dear, you are loved for who you are. You are worthy to be loved. And that's what you have to bring to, to your wife and especially all of your children and your daughters. And so um, uh, she longs to be loved. She has this deep need to be loved, and she will test your affections. And I, I preached this years ago. I can't remember how many years ago. Many, many, many years ago. And I used the illustration. Tom Thompson uh, had tickets for the King's Son. And Tom, come by. He's waiting outside. This was many, many years ago. We're going to go see the King's had a team in those days, you know, they were worth seeing. And, uh, and Connie knew, I mean, we've been building up to this for days, and all of a sudden she developed a headache. And she, she wanted me to go to the store and get her some aspirin or something. I'm thinking, I'll pray for you in the name of Jesus. So loose. I mean, he's outside honking, waiting for me. It was a test. He loved me more than the Phoenix Sun or basketball, being with the guy. And I'll never forget, I finally, I said, okay, I'll go get, in the moment, I said, oh, I'm okay. It was a test. And so every husband here, you need to understand, you can't help it. It's in her. There'll be times she'll come up with these in your mind, this, in my mind, I'm thinking, this is, a, I mean, the sons are playing. Come on. Tom and I, I mean, we've been, we've been waiting for this game. I mean, we're ready to jump on the court. And you need aspirin. Come on. She'll test you. And you better pass the test. And it rarely makes sense. It, it'll drive you crazy because the timing is always terrible. It's not just the test. It's the timing of the test. Do you love your wife? Love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave him to that means you're going to have to get that means you're going to have to make sacrifices. If you're going to be a good husband, if you're going to meet this need, if you're going to make this deposit in her that brings completion to her. 
You're going to have, it's going to cost you. And this task is not out of her mind, but it comes out of her heart. Are you selfish, Christ? Are you, are you, is it all about you? When she makes a suggestion, is it always wrong? If she has an idea, it's always bad. I made up my mind years ago, Tommy, when it comes to the house, if you want to stack the chairs on top of one another, it's your dominion. If you want the kitchen table in the bathroom, you may have to eat alone, but anyway, you put it wherever you want. It's critical that you give her dignity. This, this is life and death to her. Opposition. And uh, I've had women before. Uh, and they're living for God, serving God, serving the church. And their husband gets saved, and he wants to go for God. And, and all of a sudden, he's hearing one come to church.
Father. That's a lie. Liars go to a bad place. Uh, and so, uh, uh, Pastor, he doesn't love me. He has no time for me. He doesn't listen to me. I've heard this. I had a quarter every time I've heard that. He never hears what I say. Has time for everybody but me. I've heard I've heard Thomas say that. Got time for everybody in the church but me. Not so much anymore. You love your work more than me. Those people at work. They call you and drop everything under the sun. You drop the three-week-old baby and run. But when I ask Bless you. Got any questions? You can ask me next time.